we can uh, take our seats this morning. I've got a special request this morning, again, just being in view of all that Jesus did for us on the cross, because we know that he didn't just die for our sins. He also paid the price for our sicknesses as well. Amen. Some of you that are here this morning may still remember um, a young lady who came into the church. Uh, certainly at that time, there was some having and experiencing some difficulties in her own personal life and, and was actually one of the daycare people that we had on roster or had actually hired them to come in because we had a guest speaker. And after the service, she walked into the service and wondered, what's this all about? And she was a, a dear German girl and within a couple of weeks, she'd given her heart to Jesus come to know him as Lord and Saviour. And that was just a powerful time at that time in her life. Some of you, I know Julie, you came down and I actually conducted a wedding for Diana and her husband now, Luke. And they're a precious couple and family and beautiful things have been happening in their lives, we believe, because of that relationship with Jesus. And uh, But she's made contact with me during the week and just knowing that we're a praying church and she had a special prayer request and I thought just appropriate that we actually say, yeah, we're going to pray with you and stand with you. She has a friend called Steve Edmonds and uh, he's been given a, uh, I guess you could say, a bad diagnosis. He has a heart condition and also a lung condition. And the doctors have said, well, this is, this is not good. And Diana is uh, believing with us today for her, for her friend, Steve, to be healed. We're going to stand and believe together and just pray right now. And all I ask is you just join your faith with my prayer. And we see Steve healed, whole and raised up. And with a testimony of how powerful God is, praying believers tap into that power. Amen. Let's do that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you for, Lord, the grace that's been made available to us, Father, through Jesus upon the cross. We thank you he died not just for our, our um, sin, Lord God, but also for our sicknesses and disease. Lord, that by his stripes, your word says we are healed, Lord. And Lord, we declare together, Father, we, we say that there's no distance between us now and where Steve is right now and where Diana is right now. She prays and believes with her friend Steve, Lord, for a healing testimony. Lord, we pray that your hand would be extended today, Lord God, into his life. Lord, that you would love him where he is, Lord. And uh, whatever condition or whatever a state of salvation, that it would be a part of his salvation story. How you healed him, Lord, and brought him um, uh, to new life and health and, Lord, salvation today. Lord, we pray and agree together as a congregation in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen means so it is. In other words, you're agreeing, all right? Amen, that's powerful. Agreement in the kingdom of heaven is always powerful. Hallelujah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, Diana wanted us to, she said, I, I want to hear it. She says, I want to see it on the, on the TV. And I said, well, we don't, we don't actually have a TV uh, or video broadcast, but she wanted to hear it. So it's on the tape now as well. So she can tap into that and, uh, and believe with us and pray that same prayer. Well, uh, it was great. If you were here last week, it was great to uh, receive a visit from Pastor Israel Spence. He was ministering uh, and come ministering to us from Victory Life Church in Perth. And uh, he came with such a great message on faithfulness. And uh, there is, a, in a week's time, there's a celebration of the 20, 25th celebration of the Bible College down there. And um, so that's uh, pretty exciting. And uh, I'm going to slip down there as well and be a part of that little celebration. 
but uh, uh, Pastor Israel had a great uh, message on faithfulness and we're talking about you know when he came into the Bible college and I remembered him as a student and during the uh, through the week he was saying oh have you got any old pictures and clips from way back then and I said yeah sure I'm, I've got an old prospectus or two laying around and sure enough I'm flipping through the pages and there's Pastor Israel you know, right there in the prospectus from 2002. It must have been 2002. And he had long hair. And uh, I hadn't remembered him with long hair because he didn't have long hair with he came with us last Sunday. But um, just starting out, just starting out and just going to Bible college to get that good foundation in the Word of God. And, and it was so good to have him here 20 years later preaching a word on faithfulness. And uh, it's a good word. If you, if you uh, ever miss the sermons on Sunday, you can always tap in online go onto the church website and just look for podcasts. I think it's under sermons as well. And you can find them and you can either play them through that. Um, there's, a, there's a vehicle to play those directly. Or you can download them and, and listen to them later. You can do whichever you like. But um, listen in. Don't miss those sermons. Particularly when we here at Victory Life Broom uh, tend to go with a series and sort of have one series and then each, you know, each subsequent week is a different part of that series. So well, who's ready for the word? Everyone ready? I tell you, I'm ready for the word. You know, over the last few weeks, number of weeks, we've been uh, seeing that the church worldwide is in a state of warfare. And that shouldn't come to real any surprise for us all because we have that theme. We, we recognize that. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus ascended uh, uh, in his resurrected body into heaven, seen by 500 that saw him bodily uh, resurrected and, uh, and ascended into heaven. And God said to Jesus, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And uh, we've been on that theme for a little while because, uh, you know, some, some Christians, uh, you know, don't necessarily get a hold of that. So it's, you know, they're more focused sometimes on their blessed condition. I want to be blessed and find out how to, you know, work the promises of God and be blessed in their life and, and uh, find all the good things going on. And, uh, you know, just waiting for that sweet chariot to swing low, you know. And I tell you, there's more to the Christian life than that when we get with the program. Amen? Uh, the church is at war, and, uh, and, and we need to, you know, make sure that we're not prayerless. Because that's what it's about. It's about being prayerful, you know. It's not necessarily about going and finding a weapon so much as to be prayerful and understand that even when the, 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 um, the scriptures are talking about the, the armor of God, we're talking about our armor, we're talking about truths that we're to have on, we're talking about our weaponry, which is even truth then, the spirit of the Lord. Amen? The sword of the spirit, which is the, you know, uh, the word of the spirit. And of course, you know, uh, we need to just probably recap a few points from the last few sessions and uh, and then we can move on into I believe what the Lord has for us today but you know we identify uh, you know the enemy and and we did we took a little bit of moment to sort of say well the enemy is uh, you know this uh, fallen angel called Satan and of course his re rebellious mates who came down with him and uh, came down into the earth and we won't go back over that but we recognize that he has strategies you know he has wiles he has tactics he has a strategy that he plays out and if we're not aware of that we will and, and watch out most of them are about deception and about lies he's a liar from the beginning Jesus said you know he's a liar from the very beginning I heard one preacher say that he lies like a rug <laughs> lies like a rug you know, you know, a rug? Yeah, lies like a rug. Uh, signs and wonders from Rosemary again this morning. <laughs> Pulling down strongholds. 
is one thing that we've gotten up to, pulling down strongholds. And it requires discernment. Let's not forget, it's the stuff. Discernment is the stuff of sons and daughters, those that have the Father's heart and see as the Father sees. We begin to see things that are not apparent, but we see them in the Spirit. A discernment, you know, pulling down strongholds require us to use the gifts of the Spirit so often. And we'll talk about that and take you to a biblical example of that same thing happening. You know, the week before last, we looked at the account of Simon the sorcerer. And uh, he just got saved and baptised. He'd been saved. He got baptised down, uh, down there in Samaria. And uh, he'd, uh, he'd liked what he had seen in Philip's ministry. And uh, the, the, we talked a little bit about Philip, how he wasn't even an ordained pastor. And yet he'd gone down to Samaria and he's got signs and wonders and miracles going on. People are getting saved, you know, people are, you know, people are getting healed. And of course, demons are being cast out. And we see Philip's uh, ministry is really quite powerful. But, um, you know, we see, we see Simon, who in the midst of that becomes a Christian. And, uh, you know, but behind the motivation to be saved, there's actually still a stronghold of the enemy. And, and you know, that's been built on bitterness. And we'll see that. You know, he's a new Christian and he hasn't yet learned that he needs to renew his mind to the Word of God. You know, we start to cooperate with the Word of God as we renew our minds to the Word of God. That's a lifestyle that we're called to. And of course, you know, he's still got his presentation Bible and the pages are clean. Okay, he hasn't marked it up yet or anything. He hasn't gotten that far. He's just, just a little way into his salvation experience. And uh, that little white Bible needs a little bit more work, you know, to get that clean. And uh, I should say to get that sort of marked up and uh, a few highlighted marks in it and etc. He hasn't yet learned the gift and the anointings of God. He hasn't understood those things, the gifts of the Spirit. And he hasn't understood that those things can't be purchased. You can't just go out and buy them, you know. Here's the truth. You cannot receive what God hasn't given. That's the one to get a hold of. You can't receive what God hasn't given. You can't even posture and position yourself for them. You can't even serve until you deserve. You ever heard that one before? You've got to watch out for that one. Serving to deserve. Why? Why is that? Well, God's gifts come out of relationship with him. That's where his gifts flow from. They come out of relationship with him. I, I believe, I don't know if anyone noticed this morning, but a lot of what we've been, you know, is about having that deeper experience with God. You know, pressing in for the deeper, you know, the deeper moment with God. A lot of that's been in our worship this morning. And we press in and it's through that relationship where the gifts flow. You know, uh, the, the gifts don't come based on us wanting one. If, if we had a rack somewhere where we could just go and pick one off the rack, I'd be in there like a shot. There'd be none left because I believe the gifts of God are so good. But, you know, they don't come that way. They come, you know, the gifts of God are by the will of God. And uh, they come by, I believe, a deeper experience with him. God's gifts come out of relationship with him. He is and he remains the gift giver. And I just want to look at that from James chapter 1 and verse 16 to 17. Don't forget this. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
as good truth to get a hold of. And we should recognise that even in the process of being saved, we're coming into relationship with God. What's the first gift we receive? The gift of righteousness. The gift of right standing with God. We receive that in relationship as we come into relationship with God. You hear me up here most Sundays talking and, and giving an appeal uh, for people to be, you know, come down and receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And I talk about relationship. I talk about how, you know, uh, what God has for us is personal relationship that we can step into. But as we do, he gives us a gift. And of course, as we go on our Christian life, we begin to discover these wonderful gifts, the gift of righteousness and, uh, and so forth. Romans 6 tells us that the free gift of God is eternal life. It's free because you didn't have to work for it. And that's good news. I don't know if anyone else, if, you, if, if you've not heard that before and you've understood that, let that just mull around in your heart a little while until you can actually believe it in your heart and then realise that Jesus is Lord and you need to make him that way in your life. Amen? Jesus is Lord. You know, God's gifts come from nurturing or deepening your relationship with God, gaining his heart. Sons and daughters are those that get that. Sons and daughters are those that come to that place of having the Father's heart seeing as the fathers see and it's in that you know close relationship that we find gifts flowing through and forth through our lives and um, they operate by the will of God you know not not because we want them so badly the bible does say uh first corinthians uh 14 verse 1 it says uh, pursue love got to get that right because why is that I, I just i digress but why is that why do we have to get love right because God's gifts are not to us, they're through us. If God starts pouring out gifts in your life, it's because he knows they're going to go through you into others' lives. It's not just for you. God's, God's you know, love is, first of all, it says, desire. You know, first of all, it says, pursue love. In other words, you've got to keep running after it. You know, that, that love walk, that you know, not being you know, ugly with others or being in you know, clashes and, 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 and things with people, but rather coming to that place where you just walk in love. And that's all you're going to do. And then it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And you watch, they'll fly. They'll start to operate in your life when you start to understand what they are. You can read about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit. But they do operate as he wills. You know, as I say, if there was a button somewhere, I'd be pressing it all the time. You know, I want to get that button moving. You know, I want to get those gifts moving. But that's not how they operate. And, of course, we are definitely aided by his anointings and his empowerment in our life as we choose to keep moving forward with Jesus. This is how we fight our battles. We get God's heart. That's how we fight our battles. And when we read the account of Simon, what we saw was that he had a stronghold of the enemy. There was a stronghold, you know, that had been set up in his life. He was motivated by popularity and influence. If you read about Simon, that's what, that, that's what got his motor running. Popularity and influence. He wanted to be liked and he wanted to have control. And when Philip, to start with, and then Peter and John turn up in Samaria... He suffers loss of influence. He loses his followers. He's no longer the great power of God, as it describes him. He is no longer an influencer. He loses most of his Facebook followers. At that point, you know, Peter and John come down and 
they've got something else going on and it's better and bigger than what he had. And of course, the stronghold of bitterness takes hold in his life and a stronghold from the enemy to continue to lie and deceive from. And that's what a stronghold, you know, when a stronghold is allowed to happen, what they do is they shoot off lies and more deception, lies and more deception. It's just an ongoing thing and you have to pull them down. The stronghold of bitterness takes root and a stronghold from the enemy to continue to lie and deceive that's his strategy. So let's just have a look at that again and again, looking at Acts chapter 8 and verse 9 to 11. It says there, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is a great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with these sorceries for a long time. He's an old hand at this. As we, you know, and, and this is something we need to see, is that we, the church, give ourselves to spiritual warfare. The thing that we must see is that God's heart is ready to set the captives free. And I want to talk about that a little bit today, about having the heart to see people set free. We've got to have that first before we we'll ever see people getting set free, is to have the right heart. Amen. Spiritual warfare comes out of a desire to see God's kingdom being established in people's lives. Not our own. A kingdom heart sees past our own needs and the past and present failings of others. And it's because we know the one who's going to present us faultless. And the same one that's going to present you faultless, you know, before the Lord is the same one that's going to present that person who's so bound up with all their problems and issues and strongholds of the enemy, etc. It's the same God that's going to present us faultless and it's the same God that's going to present them faultless as well as they come to Christ. And we have to be able to look past their current issues and, 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 and situations. An excellent glimpse of this required heart is seen in Jesus as he's about to go to the cross. And Jesus communicates with Simon Peter. And actually, we see two things here. We see the forces of darkness at work, even among the disciples. And we see the required heart to see and set captives free. And I want to look at that. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31 to 32, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift after you, uh, sorry, sift each of you like wheat. Actually, there's one translation, it's a Weymouth translation that says, uh, Satan has already got permission to sift you as wheat. This is among his own disciples. He'd been with them for three years and strongholds are being formed. You know, the enemy's coming in with his wiles and his tactics to create strongholds. We see the enemy at work. Look what it says in Jesus. This is the heart. But I've prayed for you, Simon. Think about that. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, come back with the right heart, says, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, in other words, when you failed and when you get back up again and realise that you're not perfect, get back up again and strengthen your brothers. And Peter will deny Jesus three times and Jesus knows it. But Jesus is not getting bitter. 
toward Peter. That's the heart to have, you see. Have you ever tried to minister to someone and it kind of was going pear-shaped from the very beginning? Ever tried that? <laughs> you know, it didn't work. Well, the thing is that we're not to get bitter. We're to, have, we're to maintain that right heart toward others. You know, Jesus is not at any way um, coming down on Peter, you know. All this bunch of disciples who even keep falling asleep at prayer meetings, you know. Often found on the wrong page, you know, his disciples. James and John, shall we call down fire from heaven? You know, these, these people that didn't receive you in that village, I know, will call down some fire from heaven. Blow them away. <laughs> and, Jesus, and Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. You know, coming from the wrong place. You know, coming from you know, on the wrong page. And still we see the heart of Jesus toward them all. It's with a view to see them overcome the snare of the devil. And you know, I guess what I'm trying to put out there today is that we need to have that same heart. We've got to have that same heart. We've got to get the heart of Jesus. And it's as we draw near to him that we'll find it. We need to have that same heart to pray for those caught up in the snares of the devil. We need to be um, uh, about the business of strengthening our brothers and sisters in Christ, not bringing them down a peg or two. Don't be caught doing that, you know. Lift them up. The right heart to have is so key. King David sings in Psalm 51 and verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I believe it's what we're talking about, you know. Create in me a clean heart, O God. It's so important to get this right heart condition because in spiritual warfare, we're not fighting the person. We're in a battle against the spirit and, and particularly the stronghold that, you know, is, is at work in someone's life. Spiritual warfare doesn't need to get carnal. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says that, the, says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not fleshly. They're not natural. You know, it's not your own physical ability. It says that they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, we've got to find out what they are and start using them. Because church, we're at war. You know, spiritual warfare is a battle prayer. You know, it doesn't hurt people. It sets them free from their stronghold. And of course, we see Peter. Peter rebukes Simon from trying to buy the gift. And we'll, we'll see that in Acts chapter 8 and verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying, uh, uh, the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, it's Pentecost Sunday. I guess we need to have something a little bit Pentecostal in here. And um, it is Pentecost Sunday, by the way, if anyone's following the liturgical council um, and, uh, and all those things, those dates, it is Pentecost Sunday. And so here we have, you know, Peter and John coming, coming to Samaria so that, so that, you know, they can lay hands on the disciples that are receiving Jesus as Lord and Saviour and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simon sees it and says, I'll have that. How much? You know, he doesn't understand that, you know, you can only receive what God gives, you know. And Peter goes to war with the stronghold. I love this part. 
Peter goes to war with that stronghold. Peter prophesies over him, pinpointing Simon's issue. So often, you know, in clashes, we have to recognise that what's at play is a stronghold of the enemy. Sometimes we find ourselves playing the person. Don't play the person. Go after the stronghold. You know, recognise that the enemy is at work. Wow. Peter pinpoints Simon's issue. It's a stronghold of bitterness and iniquity, and he says it. He even reveals it, flicks the light on. Our best fight against strongholds is not by speculation or guesstimates of what might be going on. Here, let me counsel you for 10 weeks, and we'll find out what's really going on with you. No, I don't know about you, but I want to get, come down the front and get set free by the anointing. You know, breakthrough anointing. I'd like, I, I, you know, I'm not having a go at counselling. If you do 10 weeks of counselling, praise the Lord. It's, it's maybe helping some people. But, you know, I, I think the thing is, is that Peter didn't say, look, I'm going to have some counselling sessions with you, Simon. We're going to have to work through some of these issues, all right? We're going to just get... He's, he, he has a word. He comes out with a spiritual warfare. He comes out with a spiritual weapon, and it's a word of prophecy. And it's precious. You know, the way to pull down strongholds is through weapons provided by God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation, those weapons of our warfare that are not carnal or natural. And let's read on so we can just see how Peter does this and operates this gift. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. First of all, don't receive the money. <laughs> First thing. Don't receive the money. Your, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. You know, he needs a check up from the neck up. Got the wrong attitude. And he says in verse 20, 22, Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. And then it says in verse 23, one translation says, for I, for I perceive, speaking of the word that he has for him, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Has a word for him. He says, this is, this, is a problem. this is a stronghold, you know. So Peter pulls out the sword of the spirit. Shing! Has a word for him, you know. Bitterness, iniquity, get that out of your life. It's a stronghold of the enemy, you know. And you're bound by that. And Simon is so convicted. So much so that he wants Peter to pray for him straight away. It's a great result. You know, when you have a word for someone and says, oh, oh really? Pray for me, you know. Help me through this. I'll come down the front and get prayed for. I want to work this out in my life. And he wants Peter to pray see, the wrong thought had come from his heart where a stronghold had been built by the enemy. Peter pinpoints that stronghold by the gift of discerning of spirits. That's the best gift to operate in when it comes to spiritual warfare. Is that that you know, discerning of spirits where you can see what's actually going on, what the enemy's up to. Peter perceived that Simon was poisoned by bitterness and bound by uh, uh, wickedness. And Peter calls him to repentance. And Simon's ready for prayer. I like that. Guess who would have been first at the altar for prayer that day? It would have been Simon. You know, he would have been running down before the invitation was even given. Because he knew that God had a work to do in his life and break that off his life. How exciting. Look what it says in Acts chapter 24. 
8 verse 24, it says, And then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. In other words, he wants that new life. He's already had a taste of that new life. But he doesn't want to go back. I want more. I want more of this new life that's in Christ. You see, it's not a physical warfare. We don't get to devastate people in spiritual warfare. It's not about arguing with people. Winning an argument. Sometimes you can win the argument and lose the battle. We get to raise them up and set them free with the weapons that the Lord gives us. Jesus came to set the captives free. We've got to get that right heart attitude toward others before we expect to be empowered by God to minister to them. First things, get your heart right. And I love Paul's ministry to Timothy. Uh, we see him... Uh, establishing in Timothy the right heart. And I love it. In uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24, it says, look what he says. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Verse 25, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And that they may come to their senses, and look at this last part, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Wow. His great instruction from, you know, the spiritual father Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy, about how he's to carry this heart. And it's heart, you know, this heart is to set captives free people that have been caught up in the snare of the devil and keep stumbling in life because of that snare, those strongholds, and, um, and of course those stumbling blocks that come with it. And this is what I want us to think on today as we close. The anointing we have in Jesus Christ carries a deliverance dimension. That anointing, there's a, you know, you can take it into your, into your uh, uh, work lunchroom with you if you like. And let God work it in other people's lives as well. Setting people free is something that comes on our lives as Christians. We're called to have that heart so we can set the captives free as well. The anointing on the church, when we flow with it, it's all about captives being set free. I think I often talk about the time that I went down to a church for the first time. And uh, I knew that where I'd been in church hadn't really got me to where I needed to be as a Christian. I knew that much. And I knew that the Lord had called me out of that church and into the church that I was standing there on that Sunday. It would have been December 1985. And uh, my friend who'd come from that church as well, he said, oh, you should go down the front and get prayed for. I said, maybe I should. And the thing is, I, I, I kind of didn't really know what, was, what I was in for when I went down and got prayed for by that pastor. And we were just with a couple who, who knows that pastor too. And, uh, and I was asking after him because he is such a blessing. But um, I think I might have shared once or twice before for some of the church about that, that moment. But I, I came down the front that day and I, I thought I had a few things that he should know. You know, I was going to tell him a thing or two. You know, I had my doctrine all set. You know, how many of you know that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life? You know, and I came down there and I had my Bible and I said, yeah, what about this scripture? You know, and I was going to, let him know about this scripture and he just sat there and he listened to me for a little while and after a while he was doing this and I thought he's not even listening to me 
And I thought, hmm. And he says, oh, look. And he kind of interrupted. He says, oh, look, I think I just need to pray for you. And, you know, he reached out his hand and touched my head. And I was on my back within a second or two of him starting to pray. The power of God just hit me and knocked me off my feet. People wonder about that and say, well, why do people fall when you pray for them? Well, some say that's because, you know, people fall because they can't stand. And that's the best way I can describe it as well. Sometimes there's a, a bit of, you know, I guess you say controversy about people falling over when they get prayed for. But I know me, I start getting a knee that knocks. I know it's the start of something to come, you know. It's just like one of my, one of my tells when I'm uh, being touched by the Spirit of God, my knee starts to wobble. But, but I, tell you, I went down that day and, uh, and in that one moment, God took off my life what probably 10 weeks of counselling couldn't have. And that's the power of it. That's the power of that anointing and that you know, uh, burden-removing, yoke-destroying anointing that is on Jesus and on his church. And we just have to go deeper in God, deeper into his heart to find that place so that we can just lay hands on people. Even sometimes I believe COVID, you know, uh, uh, covertly, you know, not overtly, just covertly and break something off someone's life because that power is resident with his people. Gift of the spirit where you discern what's going on and just say, oh, can I just pray for you? And you, you, you break something off their life. We're called to that church. You know, it's best, I believe, when it's not just confined to the altar. You know, if it has to happen here, well, it's limited. You know what I'm talking about? Let's take it out into the, into the workplace lunchroom. You know, let's take it out into our friendships and our coffees with a friend, you know. Let's not just keep it in the house. I tell you, when it gets out of the house and starts going into even regions, I tell you what it is, is that... that that transformation that's actually getting, you know, getting out of the house. And we know we have a well of transformation here. God's already shown us there's a well of transformation here. I tell you what, the idea is, is that we get so wet with it that people around us cop it. You know, people around us get that experience as well. It's God's transforming power coming into their lives and setting them free and getting them up to places where they need to be. But it comes out of nurturing that relationship with God and start manifesting the gifts of the Spirit outside of the church, down the street, in the workplace, and in the family. And um, I believe it was Jess, Jess, oh no, uh, Di was uh, talking about the dear couple that we had uh, a catch-up with a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, they, they uh, were very, very, very much disturbed by what they saw out there in Mayo Oval that particular night. And, and uh, wanted to go down and break bread the next day. And the thing I think Di left out was, was that after they broke bread, they immediately started talking to a lady uh, who, uh, yeah, uh, a lady on a stroller who just happened to be walking by. And they turned around and talked to her and said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? And she says, yes. So she just right there, you know, right on that moment, just received Jesus as her Lord and Saviour. And they, they went away somewhat buoyed by the experience, you know. And just knew that God can start to change hearts, you know, when we put him first and recognise his greatness and goodness. Let's be busy. Let's be busy, church. You know, we're at war and it's hearts, you know, hearts and lives and salvation uh, that's at stake. Why don't we pray this morning right on time? So, 
But I just want to say to you today, you know, if you're here this morning and, and let's say you, you, you say, look, I've got a stronghold. I know I've got a stronghold. We really believe that the Lord wants to set you free. And the pastoral leadership is just going to linger here for a little while for you to come on down. That We're not going to make a big, um, uh, you know, altar call for you to come and, and keep pressing for you to come. We're just going to invite you to come. And, uh, and, and in that, I'm also going to make another invitation. And if you're out here this morning and, and maybe you've wandered in here because someone invited you and, and I'm not familiar with everyone that's here today, I just want to make this invitation. We've talked about having a relationship with God. We're talking about having a relationship with the God of all creation. And I tell you, he loves you so deeply. He loves you right where you are. You know, don't in, not for a moment think that he couldn't receive you as you are. Because we all came to him the same way. We came as we were, and he received us as we were, and he gave us new life. And I'm still walking in it 39 years later and loving it, you know, and loving that love in which he loved me with. And I encourage you today, if that's, you know, if that's you, if you haven't yet made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, it's like coming into a relationship with the best person you'd ever want to come into a relationship with. It's the best way to describe it. You know, it becomes your best friend, you know. It becomes your, your, your all. And um, I want to encourage you this morning to come on down and just let us know you'd like to pray the prayer of salvation. It's a simple prayer where we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's a prayer of salvation. And we can re receive him and be a believer from that day forward and know the new life and watch him come into your life and make himself known and real to you. There's an invitation right there.